Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going to talk today about the process of hope. I've spoken about it before, but I wanted to come at it from a different angle today. Um, And the angle I want to come at today is a couple of steps that protect us while we're waiting for the promises of God to come to pass. There's a process of hope. It's not automatic because Jesus says a lot of things that haven't come to pass yet and there's things in our world that seemingly don't line up with our desires and sometimes seemingly don't even line up with God's word. We go through things. And, um, but God's promised a lot. You know, I want to just say from the outset, the Word of God is God's way of getting our hopes up. That's what the Word of God does. I mean, it does a number of different things, but it works to get our hopes up. It works to tell a lost people that they are found, a, um, a, a hopeless people that there is hope, a broken people that there is um, healing that there is forgiveness, that there is breakthrough instead of breakdown. He does all these things, but as you know, he tells you that before you experience it, you know. Um, when, when I experienced forgiveness, I was in dire need of it. And it took me a while to get up to speed with what God had already done through Jesus. It was brand new to me. It was old to him. And that's the process of hope. It's us getting up to speed with what God's done. We don't believe in a God, a a 50-50 God or any old God. We believe in the God who has. We're going to talk about that now. Um, So last time we spoke, we spoke about wanting to generate hope as a part of our character so that it's there when we need it not as part of, as, as a feeling or an emotion because if it's a feeling or emotion, you might not have it when you need it most. And you know when you need hope the most? When you have it the least. You need hope when you have it the least because that's the process of hope. Hope sounds great, but it's actually extremely frustrating because hope is that time in the middle where we haven't received what we're hoping for. The Bible says, who, who needs hope if you've already received what you're hoping for? And I want to just start by saying that we need to be people that know how to generate hope, that we don't have false hope and we don't have blind hope. The Bible doesn't expect that. But we also need to know how to generate it because if you're waiting for it as a feeling or an emotion, it won't be there when you need it because this this gap between what we desire and what we've got, that's the, that's the hard part. It's okay to have your emotions in check when we've got everything we want and everything's going well. And so we're a people that generate hope, that have faith, that dig deep. And we're going to talk about today how we, how, we, um, how we can generate hope. So hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or events will turn out for the best. Now, I've been doing this as a series um, with A Thousand Feet Deep. It's a new company that we have that 
goes into businesses and helps them with their staff culture and development. And I absolutely love it. It's such an honour to be able to work with people in their businesses and, and their organisations. Um, and I've been doing this process of hope and I love that. And it's empowering people to understand that the best is yet to come. But it is, there's a step and a depth that I can't go to with non-Christians and it's this. What have you got your hope in? What, what, is, what is your hope founded on? How can we ensure that it's not a blind hope or a false hope? And I want you to know that the word of God will instruct you and it will guide you. The Bible says that the, the word of God is a lamp under your feet. It talks about itself as being an anchor to your soul. It talks about itself being a seed. The word of God that God gives you for your future comes in seed form. Hard to understand what it's going to look like, but you just know that you know. And then it slowly grows in you. It's a process. And if you get frustrated with that process and you bail out on that plant before it's sprouted or when it's that high or when it's that high, you miss out on all that that seed had to offer. And that's when the enemy comes to pick us off in those times of doubt and fear. We need to have our hope anchored in something. And there's the, the difference between believers and unbelievers is that you can have a sure hope in a real God who makes real promises. But I want to tell you that the fears are the same, the doubts are the same, the mistakes are the same. The common denominator is us in the failing and it's us no matter whether we believe in God or not. The breakthrough comes with the God we serve, not because we're awesome, not because we become. We, as the Bible says we become Christ-like. Well, that just means that we trust God more. It doesn't mean that we become awesome in ourselves necessarily. It means that God has sown in you so much that it's put such a foundation in you that you are immovable in him. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to, to, to um, sow a, a rock-solid foundation into you. And he'll do that through hope, but he will not do that in blind hope. He'll do that through his word, through things that are tangible in your life. And we're going to talk about that right now. Okay, have a look at this. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God wants you to trust his nature. Faith is you trusting in his nature, trusting that he exists, even though you don't necessarily um, see it or feel it every day of the week, that there's just something in you that says, I know, I know that I know, and I don't need scientists to approve, uh, to, um, prove it, and I don't need him to show himself visibly, as, as though, although that would be awesome. I don't even need miracles and signs and wonders. I just need to feed from him. The Bible says that he's the tree of life, that he's the, that he's the um, river of life, that he feeds something in me that's intangible. It's like the difference between flesh and spirit. 
God wants to do a work in you that no matter what happens to your flesh, you will not be moved in your life and you will not be moved in your spirit. Do you know what God can do with people like that? And miracles and signs and wonders don't bring about that kind of um, stability. You know, Jesus, back in Jesus' day, the, all the, just the religious people of the day would ask him to do a sign and a wonder and he'd say, eh, that's not going to change your heart because belief in this kind of God that what I'm talking about comes from your spirit. It comes from your decision. It comes from your your tenacity to believe what he said, to know that he's good and that he rewards people. But there's going to be a time in the middle. There's going to be a time in the middle where you're going to have to decide what you believe before you see what you thought could happen. That's what a seed is. It's a promise for the future. It's an investment in the future. What are you investing? Invest in him. Invest in his word. The Bible says that if those who put their faith in Jesus will never be put to shame. They will never be dismayed. Never. Let's have a look. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is not belief in God, a God who might, it's a God who has. Faith is taking what he says and living and fighting from it, not for it. Faith is not faith in a, in a God, but the God and all he has done and all he has won through Jesus Christ. So much of the Bible is past tense. The Bible's purpose is to get your hopes up. But you have to understand that it does that because it knows that at times you aren't going to have hope. You're going to feel hopeless. You're going to feel like you're going nowhere. You're going to feel like you never can get through this. You're going to feel like you're always going to be where you are and never going to be able to improve and that situation is not going to improve and this is hopeless and that's hopeless and I wish I'd stop making mistakes here and I wish I didn't do that. I wish this didn't happen. I wish that didn't happen. And there's all of this stuff that's, that God understood and God knows and he's got a promise for every single one of them. That's the reason that he gives us his word is so that we will connect our, our faith to it. Then that will give us hope, strong, firm hope, not blind hope and not false hope. But he certainly understands the tension of hope that at times he's going to make promises and you're going to wonder, I wonder. I wonder if he's going to come good for me. And so we're going to talk about a, a process of hope that generates this, this faithfulness to God and his promises. And the first one is this. We need to face the facts. Romans 4, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. God, God and the Word and Jesus and every 
you know, spiritual being understands our plight. That sometimes we're just going to need to go, you know what, this is hopeless, but I'm not giving up. This is hopeless, but I have hope in God. And he gives me what I need and what I don't have. He gives me the forgiveness that I yearn for that I cannot generate on my own. He gives me that belonging. He gives me that purpose. He gives me whatever it is that I need at any given time. Abraham had to look at his body and say, this is impossible. There have been times in my life and Natty's life where we have had to just face the facts. This is rotten. This sucks. I wish this wasn't happening. I wish I was better. I wish we were somewhere different. And yet in all of that, we as Christians can go, but I hope anyway and I believe anyway. And Abraham had to do this and he said, and he did this because he was told that his offspring would be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what had been promised. If you live like that, you start to outlive those scriptures that say that God will do above and beyond what you have ever hoped, dreamed or imagined. But I want to tell you that there will be a gap. That there will be times where you worry and you fear and you doubt. And then if you can just generate hope like he did, giving glory to God and going, yep, 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 this is hopeless, but I believe in God. And not just any old God, the God who has We've been doing a series on Ephesians and one of the first things it says is that um, that he's given us everything, that he's given us everything. can't remember the exact scripture and I wish I did right at this moment, but it says something like um, that he's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Well, that's only good for you firstly if you know it, then if you accept it. Then if you nurture it in those seasons where you don't feel like that's the case, then when you do that, you start to reap a harvest and you start to bear fruit as though it's true. doesn't make it any less true because you don't believe it or you haven't experienced it. It's a process, a process of hope. Okay, hope is not blind optimism. It's having faith in the sure word of God. Okay, number two. We need to learn to move on and overcome. Um, Martin Luther King says we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works out for the good of those who love him, who are being called according to his purpose. Do you know why that scripture is there? Because at times where you feel absolutely hopeless, And at times that you feel like that God has abandoned you and the times you feel like, wow, this is just out of control, you can go, no, no, actually, God works everything out for my good. Everything. That scripture is there to promise you you can hold on and it's not a false hope. But see, God doesn't not want you facing the facts. 
That's, 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 that could be potentially even blind hope. If you need to face the facts about some real hard things in your world, that's fine by God. He just wants you to say, but it's not over yet. God, what do you say about this? What do you want me to do from here? What do you want me to think? And can I just promise you this? Every single thing that Natalie and I have overcome, every season that has brought fruit, every hardship that we've faced and it's not over yet, we've been able to find a promise in God and hang on and hang on tight. And can I tell you as the Bible promises and we're not over yet, that he's always come good, always. But why I'm telling you that is because it's okay to ask for a, a promise in a season of time. It's okay to face the facts and go, you know what, this is so far from what I want. And then, but God, what do you want? And I promise you, he'll give you a promise to hold on to, a scripture or a quote or something that just keeps you going. That's what he does. That's, his, that's how he feeds us. He's promised to do that. But we will have to move on. We will have to overcome. We will have to move through things that are difficult. We will have to forgive and forget. We will have to acknowledge that we've made a mistake and turn left. If he tells you to turn left, turn right. If he tells you to turn right. But I want to promise you he's there. But you will have to, you will have to go through stuff. But he's always there. Hebrews 11 says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died, talking about the, the fathers of the faith. All of these people that have achieved amazing things in God and are in the Bible, exactly when the Bible's trying to teach us what faith looks like. And it says, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? When I say guy, I mean man or woman. Um, what about what they achieved? What about they achieved? What about what they achieved? And then it says this, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners on the land. Now, what I want to just bring out quickly is this. That doesn't mean they'd never experienced any amazing, awesomely great things in God. It just meant that this lifetime wasn't enough to fulfill it all. They died with faith still in the tank. That's what will happen to your life when you start this process of hope, when you start asking God what his promises are, when you start believing that he, will, he's, that he'll, that he exists and that he'll reward you for holding on, when you deal with the fact that, yes, it might be a weight, but I'm not giving up. God will put that much in you that you won't be able to accomplish it on this, in this life. And you'll start to understand that, you know what, it's not even about this life. This life's good, and I think that there's a scripture that I hold on to a lot. It says, oh, we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But, you know, the land of the living is the land of the living. I know where I'm going. And you know what that does? That gives you hope. And this is what God's trying to do. He's trying to create a people that don't live by sight, but live by faith, faith in the Son of God, in Him. Okay, next one. If you are going to generate hope as part of your character and, and not as a feeling or an emotion, if you're going to have hope when you need it most, you're going to have to take your thoughts captive. Second Corinthians says this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We 
demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we bring it into obedience to Christ. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God within you, you take it captive and you bring it into the obedience of Christ. Those moments where you feel like you're alone and you know the word says you're not. Those moments where you feel like you're not forgiven and the Bible says you are. Those moments where you feel like it's hopeless and the Bible says that all things will work out together for, for according to his purpose. Those scriptures are meant to feed your hopes. But you need to know them and you need to believe them. Then you need to nurture them and then you will see a harvest. The Bible's promised, but you'll have to take your thoughts captive. This is what the enemy's coming for. This is what he attacked in the Garden of Eden. This is how he attacked Jesus in the wilderness. The enemy does not care that you come to church. He does not care that you believe in God. He wants to skew your knowledge. He wants to take your hope. He wants to poison your faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know what happened to Eve. They were given one instruction. God was good. They knew that. They They experienced that. And yet he skewed Eve's view of God, made it out as though there was something beyond God that would be better and that God's holding out. We've got to stand against that. And we've got to go, no, 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 no. No. God is good. He's told me he's good. And you have to fight from a position, not for a position. Guys, this isn't easy. The Bible says that we're renewed by the transform. Sorry, we're transformed by, sorry. The Bible says we're renewed by the transforming of our mind. We are renewed by the transforming of our mind. It's like God's asking us to get up to speed with what his desire is for us in every given situation. But it won't be easy. We need to take our thoughts captive. Number four, if we want to generate hope as part of our character and not have to rely on it as a feeling or an emotion, we're going to have to know God's word and we're going to have to know his promises. This is what this scripture in Corinthians is talking about. It's, it's like we demolish the arguments that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Peter says, um, um, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. So it's like, what do you mean? I have a grace, peace. I either have grace or peace or I don't have it. No, no, it's there. But if you don't live like it's there or if you don't know it's there or if the enemy can come along and rattle your cage any given day and you don't stand firm, well, then it's up for grabs. Is it up for grabs? When the Bible says to take your, take your stand and stand firm, When Jesus says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you, I do not give like the world gives. So in other words, I'm not going to take it back. It says, but so, therefore, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the process. 
It's kind of like, yeah, I've done it and I've given it to you and I love you and I, I, I've got everything for you. I, I, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plan to give you a hope and a future. I want you to achieve above and beyond what you've ever hoped, dreamed or imagined. But you're gonna have to hold on. You're gonna have to fight from a position. You are the body of Christ. You are sons and daughters of God. You have been adopted. You have been forgiven. You have the powers of God in the heavenly realms through Jesus Christ. You are. And what the Bible would say is when you don't feel like it, when you don't see it, that's when a gear needs to kick in and it's like, well, I know it and I'm not giving up. And I need to tell you that as easy as it might sound standing up here, I've had to live this and you've had to live this. I know it's hard, but I can promise you God will never let you down. My experience with God is He has blown me away with what He's achieved and done in our life. To the point where people say this and they say that and it's all very complimentary, but I know that I quit a million times when we had our business in my heart and mind out of fear and doubt and failure. And I know that I haven't been what I need to be in relationships and I know how much I've failed. I'm not the measure. He's the measure. And the foundation in our life is when we make Him our measure. We make Him our strong tower. We make Him our treasure in the field. And we say, no, I'm not giving up. It's not over yet. And I'm sorry, but unless we get this tenacity, you will not have victory in your life. It's not a threat. It's just the way it is. You will not have victory because you have to be like Abraham, the father of the faith, that against all hope, hoped. But he didn't think of God as a genie. God promised him that he could hope that hard. God gave him a promise. God will give you a promise. And that's gonna, we're gonna wrap up now, but I'm just gonna finish on this. And this is one of the most important points. Hope is not always for you. Hope is for you and how you instill it into your family, into your children, into your friends, into your workplace. When you have hope like this, You feed others. You show others that life's worth living. Like guys, the Christian world is no better off than the unchristian world, except for what they believe, except for the God they serve when they serve Him and when they believe it and when they stand firm in it and when they live out of it. That's when we make a difference. Prior to that, We're just coming to church on a Sunday. I don't believe that for us and I don't believe that for the majority of the body. But we have to understand that this is a process, not fairy dust. We don't belong to a club. We belong to the God who has. Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I thank you so much for the work you've done on the cross. Thank you so much that you will instill in us and give us wisdom and power and authority, Lord God, to understand how good you are and to 
dig our roots deep so that no matter what happens externally, we will not be moved internally. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.